Hey, it's Brian, and welcome back to Heart to Heart. This time we talk to the delightful Stephanie Holbrook, a New York-based casting director whose body of work exhibits depth and versatility in equal measure. From the family comedy Mrs. Doubtfire to the darker realms of indie films, she has showcased her knack for recognizing and nurturing talent in all its forms. Known for her warmth and geniality, Stephanie's journey beautifully demonstrates the power of remaining true to oneself in an industry often characterized by change and flux. How did Stephanie learn to keep a cool head and find her own path to success? Find out in an episode that is both inspiring and instructive. Before you listen, you've got to grab our backstage pass. It is packed with Stephanie's top tips, insider advice, and additional resources that will give you a competitive edge. You can grab the backstage pass by going to podcastbackstagepass.com. And I think we kind of want to ask you, it's, I know it's going to be a funny question, but like, how do you stay so nice? And like, you know, after, because I know you're from the Bay Area, so you're not like a you know native New Yorker or something, but you've been in the industry for, for, for a while. Like you're a veteran and you've worked on some of the best projects, you know, and yeah. like, how have you stayed so grounded and, and quote unquote normal? Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for saying that. And I feel like the older you get and the longer that you're in this business, you realize like, it's just, it's not worth it to be anybody but who you are. And, and I think it actually like fosters a creative experience if you're actually like, you can be open and, and deal well with people and manage relationships. And I think it's, it's part of being good at my job, I feel like is, is being able to, well, first of all, I love working with people and working with actors foremost, but you know, there was, there was a moment I was working for kind of a big deal casting director. When I first moved to Los Angeles, I had been, I had my start actually in background casting, extras casting up in San Francisco and started working on some bigger movies under fives. I was working for a casting director named Nancy Hayes casting, Nancy Hayes. And she's an amazing woman. She taught me so much. And that was a great basis. But when I moved to LA, I was sort of starting again. And I've done that a few times, I'll start in different markets, which is a challenge in itself. But um, there was a moment I was working for kind of a big deal, casting director as an assistant, and she was basically teaching me to be meaner, <laughs> you know, and it was one of those things where she would come in and she, she literally would like take the phone from me and like slam it down, hang up on the agent. And she's like, you're being too nice. And, and I was like, oh, I don't, you know, like it was, it, I was sort of conflicted because I was like, you know, better at my job in her eyes if I was kind of like more in sort of the like being short with people or not, you know, it was I don't know, like changing my demeanor and an agent that I had worked with for quite a while called one day and he's like, you know, I used to think you were one of the nice ones that you're changing. And it really hit me. It really hit me. I was, I was like, whoa, like, and I started to kind of like look around me and see like, what do I want to change? You know, who I am for, for this business or do I have to? And um, that was sort of a turning point for me. So it's sort of the moment that I was like, I just need to be who I am. And if that doesn't work for this office, then I'm going to have to <laughs> skedaddle at some point. Right. You know, it's hard. First of all, I do think that if you are easier to deal with it, you, you know, in the room or in the Zoom room now, you get a better performance from the actors. And frankly, this business, you know, I have been in it quite a while. And there are plenty of people that I have crossed paths with multiple times. And 
you don't want to burn bridges either. You know, you want to be able to have these relationships forever. And so I don't know. I appreciate that. And do you, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Do you, and do you ever, I'm curious, get comments from like now from like agents and managers just being like, wow, you're like, you're so, you're so refreshing to work with, or like, you're like, you're so, you're so different from everyone else. <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, okay. I, I mean, I guess if you know an agent long enough, you're like, you know, you can vent to each other about things, but I don't, I don't know. That's interesting. I have to like think about it. Well, that's your reputation. So just, no, just know it's like everyone that. finds it refreshing to work with I you. I so appreciate hearing that. That's amazing. Thank you. But Stephanie, since I've known you, you know, you've always been, the actors have always come out of the room just letting me know and us know then just how great the class was. And, and from day one, we've always felt there's a, there's a real significance about having a class where a casting director is imparting their knowledge by assigning you material that they've worked on and giving you a finite period of time to prepare and then hearing their thoughts on your preparation. Uh, this kind of um, class format has gotten all kinds of responses. And I was just curious to hear about your response because obviously you've been doing it a long time. You know, I, I mean, I love knowing that you guys have you know, at least seen their work, you know, before and everything. Cause it, I think it's hard, you know, you're always going to enter a class at the level where you should be like, if you're t- taking an acting class, you're not going to take an acting class with like the Broadway legends. You're going to, if you're starting from the beginning kind of thing. So I like that. And just coming in there and knowing that the actors are ready to work and um, the questions are really good. And um, it, it gives me a little bit of a perspective on, and I think it helps me with my future auditions in that I'm finding out what's interesting to the actor and what they want to know and what worries them the most or what the concerns are. And so it kind of puts me in their shoes for a couple of minutes in the classes, which I love. I was just curious if, if you got to see, have you seen the film Blonde yet? Yeah. Now to me, I'm not a, you know, the, the, the film is the film. In the, you, you know, it lured me in the beginning and the end. I would, I wasn't crazy about, but for me now, I'm not a casting director, but I got so excited at the performance of Anna de Armas. I thought in my lifetime, I've hardly ever seen someone envelop the character of Marilyn Monroe the way she did. And she took it on and it was that fine definition of her utilizing her set, making the role hers, but she was Marilyn. And I just was curious as what your response was to that performance. I mean, I was floored in moments. I thought she was just absolutely raw. And there's no doubt in my mind she committed 100% to the work that she needed to commit to for that. It was it showed all over the performances. And um, I just I, I thought she did a beautiful, beautiful job with what was expected of her, which I think would probably be quite brutal process to have gone through. Yeah, just one of those performances for me that I just, I got so excited saying this, this actress, if anyone doesn't know her, they're going to know her big time because she, she's like, uh, I don't want to say she's in her own class, but she really is incredible to me. I mean, she was also given an opportunity to just really like hit it out of the park. And she did, you know, like yes. she, she was at, there was a lot asked of her. So the fact that she could deliver on those scenes so speaks volumes yeah of her talent so i was going to lead into the next thing which is you know in, in your body of work we'll get into that but you know they always say that uh 
the key to a director, a film director, is you can, depending on the level of the writing, if it's good writing, an excellent actor can make it great. And if it's great writing, an excellent actor can, you hit it out of the park. And so the, the key that a lot of film directors are facing is if they can obsess and, and choose the best available actor for the role, their work gets a lot easier. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Well, yeah, of course, you know, I mean, and also, by the way, if the actors are delivering for the directors, then they're making us look good if we, if we brought them to the director. So, oh yeah, I mean, an actor can, the thing is like each actor brings his or her own thing to each part. So like whatever an actor is doing for that performance is no one else could do. It's uniquely theirs, you know? And so it just happens that sometimes this kind of braiding together of the performance and the writing just is magical. And it does take the, the writing to a different, to a higher level. I think that it's been interesting to cast independent film where a lot of the stories are personal stories and to the writer is potentially directing and, and they are looking for something so specific because it is a personal story that almost they get like kind of locked into a certain look because this person didn't look like that or, you know, and, but then it just takes that one person to come in and kind of bring something unique that no one else has brought just because of who they are and their, what their energy is that like does like bring, bring the character to life and, and something that doesn't have to be like specifically what they had in mind to begin with. Hey, it's Brian. I'm dropping in on an important announcement. What you need to know is you have more control over your career than you think. The thing standing between you and the career you want is your connections. And that's where one-on-one -on -one next level comes in. If you are not a member yet, you can apply to join at oneononenextlevel.com. Press pause and do that now. If you are already a member and you are ready to get back on track, we want to invite you to book a strategy session with us led by myself personally. We will help you prioritize which classes make the most sense given your career goals. You can find these under the resource hub in your account portal. We can't wait to hear your success story. If we just isolate one of your projects, you know, like for instance, there are certain actors that I feel do an, an extra incredible job of being innovative and making the role their own, like we talked about with Anna. Um, so for instance, in Squid and the Whale, you had as a cast, Jeff Daniels, Laura Lenny, Jesse Eisenberg, Anna Paquin. I mean, it must be exciting to be on, you know, on that end of things, choosing or, you know, rounding up the actors and seeing at the end who, who, who ends up getting these roles, because that is an incredible cast. It's an incredible cast. That was my very first, I think, gig working with Doug Abel, as, and I was his associate at that point. And what a masterclass, you know, to, to jump in and, and be able to work with him because he really does, he's got such amazing taste. But yeah, it's, it's it, you know, you're sometimes when you watch something that you worked on, you're kind of like floored. You're like, wow, you know, I pulled this cast together. How is that possible? But it's not just casting. Obviously, it is the writing. It's the in in some cases, if a director's done some really amazing work in the past, that's going to lure tons of actors to a project. And I see here that you actually prefer working on indies. And <laughs> we had our staff do a little research on you, and they said you actually you love casting horror and thriller. I do. I do. Yeah. Not to limit myself, and believe me, 
I'm working on a handful of indies right now and, you know, I'm, I'm ready to jump back into a series anytime. But yeah, I love, I well, indie film sort of, I, like many people in my generation, we thought, you know, film was the end all be all. So mm, we were right. like, I wanted to like be in film and that was where my sort of like where I was directed. And then, you know, all of a sudden this, the business has, has changed so much. But when I went out on my own, I was, you know, in, being in New York, there's so much amazing new filmmaking happening. You know, so many new filmmakers coming out of school right there in New York. And, and so there was so much independent film. And I started to realize how important some of these stories are to, to tell and how difficult, you know, it is for these, some of these stories to be told. And how can I help those stories be told? And so I sort of, you know, then I just started to work on a lot of independent film and end up. Um, you know, having films at Sundance and stuff like that. And, and so then I, then people were coming to me more for independent film. I've always loved dark material. I love, yes, I love um, scary movies. And I think it's definitely from my parents bringing me to scary movies at way too young an age as a child. Producer <laughs> <laughs> that said the same thing. I'm like, yes, that is, that's, that's part of it. But um, yeah, I mean, I, and I think that I, because of some of the, stories I have helped tell I've been approached with more difficult material probably because mm-hmm. I've seen like, okay, this is someone who isn't going to be scared to tell the story. It's going to help me get this told in an authentic way. Well, uh, it was interesting because, you know, you started with Mrs. Doubtfire. So that was a comedy, right? <laughs> but then I realized to me that um, you really like to gravitate towards heavy because I've never seen Kristen Bell play the heaviness, you know, like the, that side of her yeah. in the lifeguard that she played. And she did a great job in that film. Yeah, she really did. She was amazing in that film. And Liz Garcia is a really, really good director. And the writing on Liz's part is really strong. So before Brian gets to his question, I want to ask you, you made a comment saying the business has changed. I'm just curious in your words from your, when you started, how has the business changed as far as an actor? I think you know, there was a time where there were film actors and there were TV actors. And, you know, when I was working in Los Angeles and mostly TV in this little period of time in LA, I remember them, you know, the, the casting people always saying like, oh, well, they'll never do this because it's TV. They, you know, they'll never, we shouldn't even put them on the list. Now, I mean, there's so much amazing streaming, amazing stuff on that's on TV and streaming that like, everybody's doing everything. And um, so that has changed a lot. I mean, where do I begin in terms of the business being a woman in the business and mm-hmm. casting in this business? It's changed. I mean, considering I did start, you know, as a wee, wee young thing in the nineties, <laughs> you know, and looking back at some of the scripts and, and the, some of the behavior in casting rooms some of the behavior toward me as a young woman, thank God, much has changed. You mean, you mean when you say much has changed, you mean the, the way that you're treated as a woman? I mean, I'm treated differently for a number of reasons now, but just because of the culture back then, just being a, a young woman coming up in the business, also feeling powerless in situations, witnessing just ick, icky behavior toward act, young actresses. I say uh-huh. actresses. Yeah. Um, you know, we had Gail Pillsbury, another you know, a big casting director in L- based primarily in LA last week. 
And she was saying, as a casting director, she's been screamed at by producers, like saying oh, she's yeah. a phony or like, how dare you bring this person in or why are you wasting our time? And we were kind of surprised that casting directors are also treated sometimes poorly in the room by, by producers. Oh, 100%. And um, that has changed a lot too. And it was, it was expected. And I think that a lot of, um, and it wasn't just male to female. It was like, there was a, an openness to bullying that was just, there was sort of an expectation that you would survive that coming up in this business. It was, you know, that swimming with sharks movie uh, back in mm-hmm. the nineties. Oh yeah. Just the, the idea that you would get yelled at, that someone would take your phone out of your hand and slam it down, you know, which wow. is what I just told you happened to me. I had cups thrown at me. Yeah. I, I was, there was a huge director I worked with when I was transitioning from moving from San Francisco to LA and he was a big deal. I had an, I like basically had an ulcer <laughs> through the project because it was so stressful. Back then you had pagers. And so I would be paged and I would be paged and expected to come to set um, and to probably get yelled at. And meanwhile, there had been, you know, all kinds of behavior on set with like throwing camera equipment. And oh my God. I mean, and it was just, you know, you just sort of, ex- and same set that I would walk by and like the producers would like leer and make comments like cat call it to a crew person. You know, it's just the whole, like, but back then that was just, it literally was just, you wouldn't laugh at, laugh it off, but you wouldn't be like, F you, what do you, you know, like, because it was just so common. It was just kind of like, okay. It was the culture. Yeah, it was the culture. So yeah, so that has, I think that because a lot of that behavior has been exposed and, you know, we have probably the younger generation to thank for, you know, trying to change some of the bad habits that was, were just sort of like ingrained in our culture. It's, it's kind of astounding when I look back and, and I, I'm so grateful I'm at a place where I feel very, I feel as if I'm in a place where I can actually make small changes and, and put my voice out there when I'm seeing something that's wrong, you know, and I feel totally empowered to do that. And like, even to the point of reading a script and, and they're the way that they were describing the women versus the men and, and, you know, being able to say, you know, let's start this conversation. You know, like, how'd you like the script? Like, or let's start with a few things. One, we don't do this anymore. <laughs> and two, I don't want to. I don't want to do this. But just for whoever you send it back out to, like these are the changes I would suggest you make. You know, based on mm-hmm. the fact that it's twenty twenty two, and you know, and also just you know, diversity. I mean, all of that stuff. There was so much. It was just kind of like, oh, that someone says a racist comment. Okay, now no, like, what are you saying now for? You know what I mean? Like, you. So that that has changed so much too. I mean, I can't. I mean, where do I begin? There's so much. It's different. And did any of that stuff ever like bog you down or make you question like, why am I in this? Why am I like 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 in this business? Why yes. am I pursuing casting? Yeah. The weird thing is though that you every project is different. So you may have that experience on a project, but then you get a reprieve and work with people who are not like that. And then you'd work with, you know, and looking back, I don't know that I even, maybe it was bogging me down, but I didn't even 
know or or have a sense that that could change. Mm-hmm. I would just get frustrated in the moment or like upset or like vent with a friend. I'm like, oh my gosh. So you're looking into a crystal ball right now. And uh, obviously, you know, everything's changed because of Zoom and COVID. Do you see a day uh, years from now where, you know, obviously Zoom's here to stay, but on the other hand, there's nothing like as things get towards a, a like a final decision, callbacks, having that person in the room. Does that, having that person in the room make, you know, eventually make a difference for you? Or do you feel like you could just complete casting A to Z, including callbacks, all you'd prefer it all online? I would not prefer it online. I miss it desperately. I really do. And I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I'm speaking just for myself. I, I think it makes us better casting directors to, to be in the room and feel the, like the moment that you come in the room as an actor, like we are feeling something like, and there's this, I always call it like an energy exchange, but it's like, you're bringing in what you saw in the waiting room, what you saw in the subway, what you, you know, road rage or you a podcast you were listening to on the way in or whatever it is. And you're bringing that to your audition, you're bringing adrenaline Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just, you know, I worry about that, that like that's missing, you know, it's, I, I t- always talk to the, the students in the classes with, with you guys, you know, that like, don't take your self tape process as a work session. It is mm-hmm. not a work session. It is not, you work on this, you know, do five takes, come back later, do another two takes and then pick from the seven takes. No, you do your work. You you rehearse just like you would. And then you sit down and do your two takes and send it off because there's this like, first of all, it's totally unrealistic. You're not going to show up to set, right? And like have 70 takes to do. Right. And also if we do get back in the room, like you can have to be ready to like really just jump, jump right back in and again. But aside from that, there's just this kind of like energy kind of deflated energy or something that like, I just miss that energy in the room that vibe, like, okay, what's going to happen, you know? And so I, I do hope very, very much that we get back in the room. And also just cause you get to know actors and again, great reason to do the classes. It's just like, if you're auditioning for something, you're just putting yourself on a self tape. And I don't really know you as a person at all outside. I've never met you in person. You're just sending that in. I only know that. I only know that layer that's in that self tape. Whereas if you're coming in the room and you're not right for this, so I call you in for something else. I'm kind of getting your uh, your essence and your vibe, and and it opens up my brain to go, oh, you'd be great for this other thing, or or I'll think about you. That conversation you had back six months ago, we talked about your your shirts making me think of surfing. So we talked about surfing, you know, and then I'm casting something that's set by the water and like. You know, all of that little stuff that's missing and you can't get it in a slate. You don't want it. When you're watching 8 million self-tapes, you don't want somebody to just start talking. No, you you want them to say their name and their height and and get on on with it. So it's like the hallway conversations you're missing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's that, it's all those conversations. And we, it's kind of weird. Like when sometimes actors pass away, young or old, like whatever, like I think casting people feel this like, we feel like we know this person so well because we've seen so many different layers of the person with, with their auditions, the actual material that they're the scripts, but also just like the, like seeing that person and like having those little, like, Oh my gosh, my dad died, you know, 
struggling with that right now, even if it's a short conversation, yeah, you just, you just get to know people in a really like what feels like an intimate way because you're in this room, soundproof room, you know, it's like safe space. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you, you had a, like a kind of, you started your casting career in LA. Um, and I'm so curious, like why San you made that. Really, really. Oh, I San mean, yeah. Yeah. San Francisco. Cause I really, I, I believe that those early years of doing extras and background like those under five roles really, really set the stage for like helping me kind of paint the picture and like putting the pieces together for a scene. Mm-hmm. Can you give an example of what, why, how? Well, because you have to use instincts to be like, okay, this, what is it? This it's the scenes in a restaurant. It's a high end restaurant. Like who would be here? What in the, I'm just talking about like if you're casting extras it, and again, it goes back to that kind of like, I'm sorry, it sounds so like, like new age or whatever, but like the energy, like if I, you know, you're trying to like build a, a, a scenario that is realistic, right? So it's the same thing now. It's just that now I'm like, people are actually saying lines in the scene. Mm. But yeah, you were starting to ask me about, and then I went to LA. Yeah. yeah like, and how, like, what made you want to, well, what made you want to move from San Francisco to LA? And, and then what made you move, want to move from LA to New York? So San Francisco to LA, I was working on this movie and this director loved, he liked real people to play in the situations where they could like a real chef to play a chef or like, you know, in this case it was real, real cops to play cops and things like that as extras or like under fives. So I, we developed a rapport again, I was working with Nancy Hayes, but I was sent down to finish the rest of the shoot in LA. And I stayed down there for like two or three months, finished off the shoot. And then I was like, you know what? I'd like to make them make the jump too. Cause I, you know, small offices in San Francisco, bigger fish in a small pond. And I was like, you know, I'd like to at least like try this out in LA for a while. It was a big adjustment. It was, it was really starting from scratch, you know, because I didn't know the market at all. And I was trying to get into principal casting Mm -hmm. and, um, I was making $300 a week, you know, and just trying to like, yeah, that number stands out in my head because it was like, I remember being like, can I actually do this? Um, But that's what assistants were paid um, back then, like 350, you know, um, 400 was, I was so inexperienced. They were like, you know, take what you, what you're given. Right. But then kind of at, at some point, I was sort of ready to get something more stable going Mm -hmm. and I was looking for work at studios rather than being freelance. Cause like if you're making so little money and then you don't have a job for a few months, you know, it's, it was really difficult and stressful. And I, I was working with some really difficult people. And when I actually left one of my jobs saying that I really needed to get a steady gig, I was told that if they found out that I ever got back into casting, that they would make sure that, that I wasn't hired because I was high and dry. Like this is the kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, I was going to, I was going to say to you, this is, this is very good because um, you know, there are all these popping up mindset classes, right? So I was going to ask you when you were getting paid $300 a week and being treated the opposite of a King or queen, was there ever a point where you just said, screw it, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm done. There were a few moments. Yeah, there were definitely a few moments. And I, 
but at the same time, almost like felt like, okay, so this is what you've got to go through, you know, and this yeah. is what people, and I it wasn't like, I was the only one I was hearing other people saying the same things. And I was like, if I could just keep going a little bit longer and move up to an associate, which I did end up doing. But again, it was just, you know, you get to a point in your, sometimes I guess you get to a point I did, I needed more structure and more mm-hmm. stability. And I was trying, I was going back, I was going for interviews at all of the studios and get doing like having these great interviews. They kept calling me back randomly. Like there's a, there's an opening, but then every time I would go back, they would say, Oh, you know, you just, you're working with these amazing people. You're going to hate working at a studio. It's not going to be as creative as where you want to, what you want to do. And I'm like, no, really, really. It's fine. I want to, I want to do it. Um, so I ended up actually getting a job in more publicity for, because they were, the casting jobs at the studios were so few and far between. And I, I was at that point now that they were like, you're overqualified for the assistant jobs to start mm-hmm. at the assistant level. So I got into 20th Century Fox thinking I would like ease my way back into casting that way. And I actually was offered a job, the internet division of Fox back then, fox.com. <laughs> when the bubble was happening, they're like, we have this great idea that we're going to make series online and they're going to be web series and you, we, you know, you can come on and cast, you know, cast them. So I, I joined, but unfortunately it was like too soon. Like nobody got it. And so I ended up just producing online chats for Destiny's Child. I mean, I talked to Brittany and all, I mean, all, all these people. It was a it was a great experience and super fun and but it was like crushing my soul because it was I really like it wasn't what I was thinking I was going to be doing and I missed casting so much. The way I got to New York is that the division of that, that division went away, so I was laid off. Oh, in Fox, so, yeah, laid off. Was so this, they, now, was this is, had Fox Searchlight come up? No, it, um, it was Fox.com. So it was um, okay. Yeah, it was part of the network, I guess, is really what it was. So I just want to stay with one second. So when 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 you were in that stage of the three hundred dollars a week thing, and you know, get, was there anything you said to yourself? Because this is good for some of our people uh, listening out there. Was there anything you said to yourself that you just knew? You're like, if I stay with this, I know there's going to be payoff. You know, I, I know I'm not going to be in this position of just struggling and not even able to pay the rent. Yeah. You know, it's funny having two daughters. I'm constantly trying to like, remember what it was that like, I just had this drive and I just loved the business. I loved film. I loved television from the time I was so young and I, I thought I was, would act and I realized that was not for me and, you know, pretty (laughs) soon. So I, um, I wanted to be in this business so badly. Like I had always wanted it. And so I just kept saying, like, if I can just get to the next level, if I can just get to the next level, I see, you know, where these other people have gotten and they started here. So um, I just kept telling myself, like, keep working hard. Nobody does special programs like one-on-one next level. It's where we really help actors shine. I'm Emilio. I signed with my Southeast agent right after the Atlanta trip. And now I'm auditioning several times every month. And, you know, I almost didn't do the Atlanta trip because I thought it was just another cash grab. I can tell you from experience that it's not. That's not how one-on-one next level rolls. And here we are six months later, and I already booked my first job with my Atlanta agent. 
I'm Rebecca, and the Bridge program demystified the industry for me. It gave me the platform to get a book in under 10 minutes. I met 60 new artists that are now all a part of my community, and I even signed with a manager. I have never walked away from a program so confident in my abilities. I'm so grateful for one-on-one -on -one next level. My name is Capenna, and I can finally call myself a working actor after participating in the LA Super Showcase. I had just moved to LA and I felt stuck. I came across the LA Super Showcase and let me tell you, it was a life-changing experience. I signed with an agent and since then, I've been auditioning for series regulars and booked my first TV job. I finally feel like I made it to the next level, thanks to one-on-one -on -one next level. In the next 12 months, One-on-One -on -one Next Level will host 27 special programs bringing you unmatched, exclusive access to industry connections. Special programs aren't just a one-and-done class. Instead, they're designed to accomplish in a weekend what it takes most actors months, even years to do. So whether you want to get repped in a smaller market like Atlanta, bypass casting directors and connect directly with TV showrunners and decision makers, or spend a weekend meeting a bunch of musical theater industry professionals in New York City, you have to become a member to be eligible to sign up for our special programs. To apply, go to www.1on1nextlevel.com. We can't wait to hear your success story. This is good, Stephanie, because you know what's funny? I remember when I was a teen, the pressures you feel when you approach teenager going to college too, like the pressure you feel about, okay, what am I going to do when I, when I get out into the big world? I, I have to think of something yeah. because, you know, so, so, you know, your daughters, they, even though they're, they have a great mom and all that stuff, there's still that underlying pressure as far as they're saying to themselves, yes. what am I going to do from yeah, here? Yeah. What am I going to do? Yeah. And I think that I, I had parents that were very um, encouraging of my brother's a writer and, they were encouraging of our artistic pursuits and they never, you know, said, Oh, don't do that. That's crazy. You know, but I had, I don't think they realized I was going to be paying $300 a week for a time. You know what I mean? <laughs> Nobody knew that. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, like anyone else, I think I just was like, keep working, keep working, you know, just, just go. And I was, the, I was like, and similar to an actor, I think I was, and you still you, casting people really do go through a lot of the same, processes that that actors go through in terms of like I've got to get you know I've got to post my resume on CSA I've got to you know look everywhere for postings and see who's who's hiring and I've got to go on all these interviews and I've got to network and I've got to do all like I was I was just go 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 like you could easily stop some of our actors could easily stop and if you wouldn't have continued I bet you right now in your life you look back and you're like things are that much sweeter because of knowing what you had to go through that's so true. Of your knowledge. Oh, it's, it's kind of amazing sometimes to think about it, you know, and I think, wow, I actually, I'm doing this. This is cool. You know, this is happening. You've made it. It's like I more than just, you know. I made it. And do you ever really make it? I don't know. But thank you. But yeah, it, I'm, you know, making a living at it. And comparison with the actor life, um, too, we don't go through the rejection that the actors do as consistently in terms of like, it's not a yes. It's not a yes. Even though you're going on a multiple auditions, we, we go through that often because we're interviewing for jobs. But is, is there a job you can relate? To, uh, you can, you can tell uh, you really wanted and you didn't get. Oh my gosh. Well, I can't give it's all really my even. secrets away, but um, <laughs> one story. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I could probably name five, you know, that I really wanted that I didn't get. But then I probably got five that somebody else really wanted. Like lots of people wanted and I, they didn't get. So like, that's just the nature of this, right? 
But when you um, didn't get them, you must have been like with some of them, you must have been devastated. Like, I really wanted this. I, I didn't get it. And, you know, you got to pick yourself off the floor eventually and just move on. But it's not so easy. Yeah. Well, I remember when I was first starting out and I didn't have an office and I was renting space per job. I remember losing out on an indie to someone else that just because they had a, had an office. So I, if I had said I had an office, I would have had an office because I would have just rented one. <laughs> but I just, they, you know, asked me outright, you know, do you have a permanent office? And I said, no. It's funny, the ones that I think that I wanted the most, there's one in particular that I know that, actually, there are a couple. Um, one in particular that I knew for a fact that like everyone in town was all of the people that I, you know, it's almost like going into a waiting room and being like, okay, yeah, those five people are here. Yeah. Cause we're always here together. Like mm-hmm. it was sort of like that. And it was a big deal and they were like getting references and it would have been one of big, one of my bigger shows to get. And it went to someone else, but to be honest, I dodged a bullet. Like you find out later it was really difficult and the personalities were tricky. And, and then there was a time when the, there was a um, studio that had, did not have a New York presence and they were interviewing people. And I really wanted that job. It was like, again, it was like a, a staff job at the time and it would have been strictly covering films and for a huge studio. And I would have been like the New York presence. And I was, this was like at least it was probably like close to 20 years ago, like soon after I moved to New York. Um, so, but again, I, I it, seeing all these faces in the waiting room and being like, Oh, and in the back of my mind, going, yeah, I'm probably not going to get it. Cause that person has already, you know, done way more than I have, but I, you yes, you experience the same thing and you, and you do, you feel that rejection and you feel that like, I'm never going to work again. I mean, I talked to some casting friends and it got, it was really like, we all got, really busy during the pan all the way through the pandemic for like two years. And then all of a sudden it was like, boom, there was all this like, you know, shuffling about at some of the agencies and some of the networks. And it was like, it got pretty slow and people were like, what's going on? You know? Yeah. We've heard that across the board commercials or LA, New York. It's, it's like, you would think everybody in this country, you know, felt it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so yeah, so we relate, we really do understand that feeling. We just don't go through it nine times a week in an audition situation. But I can't believe someone told you it's like, you know, if you try to get a casting job, we're going to make sure like you don't, you don't get like, you know, we're yes, it was like, are you leaving me, our office for someone else? Like, you know, it was almost like, you know, I was breaking up with them or something. And I was like, I just really need, I'm, you know, I'm at a point where I've just been doing this, you know, stopping and starting with projects and I can't, I I just need some stability in my life for a little while, knowing what my bottom line is and, and, um, having more of a, like less having to hustle so much, you know, for the next gig. And I had been with them a while. They had promoted me to associate. So this was in LA. So it was, it was like, they, they felt they were doing the right things by me. Right. But, um, but at the same time they were kind of difficult to, to work with and asking me to do things that I thought were not part of casting. Some like personal, personal, you know, like get me a sandwich. (laughs) 
more like can you house it my house it oh, oh, oh that's god. that's that's worse than a sandwich oh my god yeah, no, no, yeah i can believe it yeah but in their minds they were like oh well we're giving you you know you're we'll pay you to do that but like you'll a couple bucks but you know you that's just like extra money on top of your job kind of thing oh wow yikes i mean it's so helpful so that, to- you know it was those th- two things together where it's like yes there was a point mark where i was like enough already yeah and so but but again i just the creative process of it and also just being able to go i love premieres and i love the energy and celebrating the filmmakers and being part of that camaraderie it's like why i love like the artios awards you know like i you know your your community is celebrating each other you know and so i love all that that's that's just like icing on the cake but the creative process i knew i missed it the moment that i wasn't doing it. And that's why when I had the adventure of like, I think I'll move to New York for a year and then just have a great adventurous year. And then there, there was like a writer strike looming at the time that I moved. It was 2001. And I, um, I had a, a, one job lined up. It was starting October one for dream dreamworks. And then September 11th happened. Wow. And so that was canceled, um, obviously. And I um, was very- Were you in New York or were you still in LA? I was in New York. Yeah, I was in New York. And I I was totally like discombobulated by that, obviously, um, like everyone else in New York City. And I I didn't have a job. The, The job that I had lined up was gone. So I went back to San Francisco for a few months, worked with Nancy again, like on some commercials, got my bearings, took a deep breath and decided, yes, I do want to move back to New York. And I got a call about working with Mikey Heilbrunn for, um, it was what was CW at the time. I mean, mm-hmm. was oh, yeah. 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 So, um, I came back, you know, came to New York again for pilot season and then ended up getting a job, directly after that with Pat McCorkle, who oh. I had to work with on Chappelle's show, which was like a blast. And I, I wow. that experience. And then some other projects that were really cool. And then Ellen Chenoweth needed an, an associate because she was, she and Susie Ferris were casting. Actually, I worked with Susie on a, on a movie and then she and Ellen were working together on Mona Lisa Smile. And so I worked as their associate and then you're hearing all the jobs. I got a call from Doug, Doug Abel and he, Cindy Tolan was moving on from his office and he was looking for an associate. So then he and I ended up working together for a few years and then I went out on my own. And then since then we've come back together and collaborated on a bunch of stuff. So that's uh-huh. the life story. <laughs> it's a great story because once again, we went from the $300 a week story to like, look at you now. And you know, you don't see it, but as clearly as maybe an outsider, but that's some story as far as, being able to see that, you know, because of the perseverance, here you are. And three markets too. I know. Starting, I don't recommend like switching markets twice, but um, (laughs) I definitely, I think it gave me a sense of like, first of all, like I can start again. I can do like, no matter what, I can pull myself. Rebuild. Yeah, I can rebuild. Yeah. And, um, And it was exciting too. It's like, you know, learning just diving in New York was so fun to learn the actors. Cause I was just going to as much theater as I could go to. And I sat down and watched like 
all the reruns of Law and Order I could watch so that I could get to know the <laughs> actors and just look at the credits for the people I didn't know. And yeah, so there's a lot of fun to it, but it was definitely difficult because you're having to build relationships that you, just from, from nothing. And what you were saying, the parallel with with your pursuit and, and what an actor pursues, including relatives coming up to them saying, oh, you're an actor, and they look at them like they're on drugs, right? Because they're <laughs> like, you're crazy. Yeah. Uh, do you believe in the phrase, where there is a will, there is a way? Yeah, I do. I do. There's the right place at the right time that's involved, right? When they talk about, and you can't, I was, what was it? I think I was listening to a Smartless podcast. Do you guys know Smartless? It's, um, no. anyway. Okay. So it's Jason Bateman, Will Arnett and Sean Hayes. Oh. And they okay, all have a guest every week or every so often. And, um, they talk a lot about like their beginnings in Hollywood. And then they always ask the guests and stuff like that. And, um, you know, they were talking about it, it just hit them. It hit so close to home. They just, they're saying you can't, you, there's no way you can ever predict like this show is going to be a huge hit or this show is going to not, you know, you could read something and be like, Oh, it's okay. And then it's just all like, for whatever reason, it's like everybody in the world loves it, you know? And um, so you just kind of like try to, to pick the, the projects that, that inspire you and, and in some way and just go from there. But yes, I do think that there's there's a lot to be said for that. Where there's a will, there's a way. But you're just having to put yourself in the path of opportunity as much as you can. And speaking of, I mean, I see a note here that you've chased down people on subways to <laughs> cast the projects. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I have. Um, Popped up in our research. <laughs> yes. Who did I approach? I there might have been Ian Wen, and it, it, one of the first films that I ever cast um on my own in new york um but he ended up in this little indie film that i cast called tie a yellow ribbon but yes i have I've been that weird person i've definitely been the person in the mall and you know um i've had to cast commercials where they just want real people so i've you know i got my sea legs with that but um but of course like if there's somebody that that seems right for something and why not just give it a go and give it a try. <laughs> and, and, and strangely enough, sometimes the, you, they, people are like, well, I'm an actor. And you're like, oh, well, all right. 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 <laughs> I got to tell you, Stephanie, this has been a great uh, conversation and, you know, it's just a pleasure having you on the show. Yeah. I, 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 you know, we've already gushed about you so much, but like, it, it's yeah. truly heartfelt and that like, you know, you're just, you're such a giving presence and you're kind of such like a, embodiment of like why we have casting directors come teach for our actors. But your story, as far as the reason, the, the summing up of where there's a will, there's a way, I really do think there's inspiration there because if you stick to it in, in telling your story, there's, you know, it, it's never smooth, but that, that thing always happens that, you know, you think, okay, this might be it, but then as far as might be the end, but then something always leads to something that leads to something that leads to something. Yes. And even though there's some abuse involved as far as like, you know, yes. having some snowballs hopefully thrown at that, you. Hopefully that has died down significantly. I know yeah. it, we would never allow it in our office, but, um, but yeah. And, and I always tell the students in the classes, like, you know, you are, you're planting seeds along the way. And so, you know, yes, be a good person and be who you are and do not compromise your moral fiber and, um, keep your integrity intact and um, and just keep 
putting in the work. And we have like a, like a, there's like a one final question that we've been so curious about because you, you know, you've taught at one-on-one for, you know, 20 years and really consider you to be like a teacher's teacher. And, you know, your classes are, the actors always come out gushing. You know, there's some, I don't know if it's controversial, but yeah, there's some people who think casting directors shouldn't teach uh, or or that, you know, it's not like a value. And I'm, I'm just so like, you know, curious from your perspective, it's like, like, what's your stance on that? Because you've yeah. obviously... You know, because there's been such a, there's been so much talked about in our community about it, not as much lately, uh, but there was a time when it was like, oh, you know, like we shouldn't kill do this. Them. And I really, at that point, what did he said, he said, kill them. <laughs> like, yeah. kill any of the casting directors that teach. Yeah. No, and, um, and I understand, I understand some of the worries and, and, criticisms. And so I made a decision that I, I really do think I'm at a position in my career where I can share some information that is helpful. And I think I can, I can teach something. Um, and so I don't, I would never feel guilty about like taking advantage of the actors or anything, because I feel as if I do have something to offer. Um, and I'm, and I'm, I'm not just like in and out of the room. I actually am doing this because it's really, really helpful to meet new actors and have an opportunity to interact. And this isn't an audition. No, you're not auditioning for something I'm, you know, casting right now. And and as long as that's been made clear, and I remember there's a time that we weren't allowed to take their headshots or something, so we could look at them in the room, but then we'd have to give them back or something like that. Um, but I don't know. That's you know, maybe that sounds like arrogant or something. It's not that it's just that I, I, I feel as if there's like a value added on, on both sides, you know, and that it's a, an interactive experience. It's not, it's, I, I don't feel I'm taking advantage of the actors. I would never do it if I, if I felt that way. Absolutely. It, it's, you know, and it's, it goes without saying, it's like, you know, you're, you are like, like you're one of the examples of a, of a casting director who truly teaches and, you know, actors get so much value out of, out of your, your classes. That's so, so nice. Well, I, I enjoy them so much. Thank, thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, it's thank been really you. Great. Hopefully, you had a good time. And you I know, mean, I, 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 I was a worried. I was like, I don't have a Wendy McKenna audition story. I don't know what I'm going to do. No, and we, we wanted to really make this about the pot. Really, is about it's to celebrate. You know, one on one. You know, thirty years, and it, it hasn't always been easy. You know, we've gone by the saying where there's a will, there's a way. We've gone through a lot too, and yeah. we kind of want to showcase and really inspire the people listening, mostly our actors, maybe some aren't actors that, you know, in this, in this industry, like whether you're an actor or a producer or a casting director, you will encounter difficulties and hardships that you have to overcome or people yeah. throwing stuff at you and yeah. taking advantage of you. No, do not but, let that happen. No. <laughs> right. And we want to share these stories like you have that I think it, it helps people relate, especially actors who sometimes, you know, really question whether they should keep going or not. Yeah, no, no, no. Keep going. Keep doing it if you love it, and always have a way to, to the you know financially have a bottom line, and and then hopefully that ends up being all from acting, you know. So yeah, thank you so thank much, you Stephanie. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done it yet, grab the Backstage Pass because there's behind the scenes footage, we've taken the biggest takeaways from the episode and written them down for you, and there's also tools and resources to help move your career forward. It's the easiest way to turn this podcast into a tool for your career as opposed to something you just listen to as you're doing the dishes.